Good morning and welcome to Five Alive. It is another beautiful day here in Mahali. Uh, we are going to start today with the book of John, starting in chapter 10, verse 39, and we're going to read through chapter 11, verse 16. As people who know me know very well, I am a fan of not just concluding at the end of a chapter and then being done, but everything ties together when it comes to the Bible, and that's what we're going to do today. So Xavier, if you'll lead us off with the reading of John chapter 10, verse 39, and then through 11, verse 16. Again, they sought to arrest him, but he escaped from their hands. He went away across the Jordan to the place where John had been baptizing at first. And there he remained, and many came to him, and they said, John did no sign, but everything that John said about this man is true, and many believed in him there. Now a certain man was ill, Lazarus of Bethany, the village of Mary and his sister Martha. It was Mary who anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was ill. So the sisters sent to him, saying, Lord, he whom you love is ill. But when Jesus heard it, he said, This illness does not lead to death. It is for the glory of God, so that the Son of Man may be glorified through it. Now Jesus loved Martha and his sisters and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was ill, he stayed two days longer in the place where he was. And after this, he said to his disciples, Let us go to a Judea again. The disciples said unto him, Rabbi, the Jews were just now seeking to stone you, and are you going there again? Jesus answered, are there not twelve hours in the day? If anyone walks in the day, he does not stumble, because he sees the light of the world. But if anyone walks in the night, he stumbles, because the light is not in him. After saying these things, he said to them, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I go to awaken him. The disciples said to him, Lord, if he has fallen asleep, he will recover. Now Jesus had spoken of his death, and they thought that he simply meant taking rest and sleep. When Jesus told them plainly, Lazarus has died, and for your sake, I am glad that I was not there, so that you may believe, but let us go to him. So Thomas, called the twin, said to his fellow disciples, Let us also go, that we may die with him. This is the reading of the word of the Lord. A few things that I just want to bring up from chapter 10 uh, for us to reflect on is Jesus again escaped mankind's attempt to imprison and or kill him. This is verse 39. This is a reminder to us that no one can take Jesus's life. He willingly lays down his life on the cross for the redemption of us and the redemption of the world. Next, we see a comparison made by the people between Jesus and John the baptizer. John was a true prophet. The people believed this. They heard him speak as a prophet speaks. They saw him and witnessed him live a life as a prophet does. And yet they did not equate Jesus and John to both be prophets, but instead they saw Jesus as greater than John, greater than a prophet. And so when Jesus says, I am the son of God, they therefore equate him with equality to God the Father, and that Jesus is being truthful by making this statement of, I am the Son of God. And third thing we see in verse 42 is that many people start following Jesus. So many people overcome their skepticism, unbelief, and their hard hearts. They allow them to be renewed, and they follow after Jesus. And that's the conclusion of what we see in John chapter 10. And then we move right on into the story of what's going on with Lazarus. Jesus leaves the place where Lazarus is at, Bethany. He goes across, he comes, and, and then he gets news, gets word from Mary and Martha 
of Lazarus. Now, we don't have a lot of information on Lazarus. Here's what we know. Lazarus is a friend of Jesus. Lazarus is loved by Jesus. Lazarus has two sisters. What are his sisters' names? Martha. Mary. And Mary. We also know that Jesus loves his sisters, and we know that Lazarus got sick. Other than that, what do we know about Lazarus? What do we know about Lazarus? He was a man. That's what I said. (laughs) His name was Lazarus. (laughs) He had two sisters. He had hair, I think. I already went through that. Yes, he had two sisters. Very good. You already even said what their names were. He He was dead. No. Resting. He was was resting. He was asleep. He might have been dead. We don't know, right? Nope, don't know. All right. Stunk. Yeah, we do. Jesus tells us he was dead. Not yet. We are not that far in this (laughs) portion of the Bible. We're not even close to that. Actually, we are pretty close. No, we're not close. Not for today. That's a whole week away. He hadn't bathed. We don't know that. He's sleeping. He can't believe that. He loves Jesus. We know he loves Jesus. Right. He's a friend of Jesus. I said that already. Well, then what do you want us to say? Jinx. And he's a man? He is was just man. asking, is there anything that I'm missing of who Lazarus is? Because there's not much information on Lazarus. His name is mentioned a couple of times in the Bible. This is not the same Lazarus that died and then sat at the bosom of Abraham that Jesus tells the parable of. But this no. is Lazarus. This Isn't is, that a song? Like the bosom of Abraham. Of course, I'm sure it is. But this is Lazarus. This is, this is a, a brother of Mary and Martha. We know that Jesus loved Lazarus. We know that he had two sisters. We know that Jesus also loved his sisters. We know that Mary is mentioned in this passage of scripture as being the one that will um, wash Jesus's feet. We haven't read that. She's already done that. She hasn't. No. No. It is in the future. It will happen in John chapter 12. It was Mary who anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped her feet with her hair and her brother Lazarus was ill. Meaning she had already done it. Past tense. She had already done it when John wrote this gospel. But if you will go on to John chapter 12... Yeah. Go, go on to John chapter 12. John chapter 12. You will see that Mary will anoint Jesus' feet in John chapter 12, right there at the beginning. John, what the crap are you writing? <laughs> because this that. is the way authors in Asia write. They do not write. And here's a big thing for us to remember. A lot of people think that Christianity is a westernized religion. But when we read the scriptures, we see that very much of the writing as I talk funny, very much of the writing, a lot of the writing is made in a sense that is very close to an Asiatic theme, the way that a lot of books are written here. So we understand that everything is not in sequential order, but things are allowed to go out of order. We struggle with this in the West. People in the East do not have a problem with this. We know that Mary, uh, who we'll talk about in the next chapter, will anoint Jesus's feet. That's mentioned here uh, as not a foreshadowing technique, but it is just a fact to identify who this Mary is. We also know that Mary is the one that sat at Jesus's feet when he taught. We know about Martha that she worked hard and that she fought with Mary once because she believed that her work for Jesus was more important than spending time at Jesus's feet. This is another record 
recognition for us or another realization of truth for us where we discover that obedience and and our heart are more important than the works that we do. This doesn't mean that we stop working, but it just shows us that our work isn't the total sum of our character and who we are. A lot of people like to put their character in what they do. I am a person who works at this job. I am a person that attends this temple or this church, and that's where our identity lies. Jesus is breaking that stigma, saying your identity is not tied in what you do, but your identity is tied in how often you sit at my feet. Which brings me into just one of two points that I want to discuss today, and that is, number one, what is love? What is love? That's the first thing I want to talk about because verse 3 and verse 5, Jesus loved Lazarus. Jesus loved Lazarus's sisters, Mary and Martha. What does this mean? Because the world has come to a perverted version of what love is. And so I just kind of want to ask this in a couple of different questions. Is it possible for me, a father and a husband, to love Mallory Xavier Aisha and Addison. Yes. Yes. Is it possible for me to love my wife, Blair? Yes. Is it possible for me to love a few of my friends, Gurdeep, Jay, Akash, Kamal, Amjid? Is it possible for me to love those guys? Yes. 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 Can I love a pet like Desi May? Yeah. Yes. Can I love a place, a waterfall, a mountain, or the beach? It's an inanimate object. But can I love it? Yeah. Yes. A lot of people say that they love stuff, but it's not actually true. True. Elaborate. Elaborate. What Um, do you mean by that? Meaning that a person, if they say, oh, I love popcorn, Mm -hmm. it just means that they actually really like the taste of it and like it. They don't actually have affection for it. Affection for it. Okay. Okay, sure. Um, Are all of these loves that I've mentioned or that we're talking about, like I love popcorn, I love the beach, I love my wife, I love my children, I love my friends, are those equal loves? No. No. They're not equal? No. No. Because you have a deeper admiration for some things over others. A deeper admiration for some things over others? Okay, sure. Uh, Does my love for these men and women or creation, does it fade? Like, can I fall out of love with my son? No. No. I hope not. Can I fall out of love with my favorite place to go, which is this particular beach, and the sun setting there is a beautiful memory that I always have, and I will always carry it with me. Can I? Can that love for that place fade? Or is it something that I'll probably think about the rest of my life? Something yeah. you'll probably think about you'll the rest, think of, your about life. The rest like, of your life. What is it? The Old Man in the Sea is a uh-huh. good, good book. I sure. really like it. But the old man in the Ernest book, Hemingway. Ernest Hemingway, is a great author. But and the old man's described whenever the old man has a dream. Every time he goes in a dream, like he has a dream, he dreams about whenever he's younger and he would sail and he'd go to Africa and he'd go to the beaches and see the lions on the beaches. Yeah. And he'd dream about the lions on the beaches almost every night. Mm-hmm. And it would describe it so vividly because that was like one of his favorite memories. And so every night he'd dream of the lions on the beaches exactly. and how they'd play with each other and stuff like that. And so like he loved that memory 
And so with that, I don't think you could fall out of love. A, a, fate, with, a fading a fate. of it or yeah. falling out of love. So then why do we say when a man is married to a woman that they fell out of love with each other? Whenever they divorce, you mean? Yeah, when they divorce. They don't fall out of love for each other, do they? No. No, they I don't fall think. fall out of lust. This is... <laughs> okay. <laughs> this is just... I mean, let's think about what love is and what our expectations. Yeah, what are our expectations? So can my love be, we already said it's different for each of the different uh, people in my life or uh, inanimate objects, places in my life. Can my love for something or for someone be trivialized, weakened, and or perverted? Absolutely. Yeah. Because of expectations. Because of expectations. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, Can I love something or someone more than God? Yes. 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 What is that called? Uh, pride, idol worship, idol idol worship. worship. Pride. pride, sure. Why I don't not? know, selfishness, self-centeredness. Yeah, I want what I want. So this, and to me, this talk of loving uh, makes me consider the importance of how love works in my daily life. And I just kind of want to describe that a little bit. I, I I'm just going to use you, Blair, as my example Uh-oh. of I I say I love you hopefully multiple times throughout the day Absolutely. in the morning, in the afternoon. Like there's no set time that no. I, I say it three specifically o'clock in the morning, three o'clock in the morning. Wake up. Sure. I love you. Sure. Just because you're in a deep sleep. Yeah, sure. And so what, what am I meaning? What am I meaning when I'm saying I love you? Because these are some of the things that, and I wrote just a few of them down and, and this isn't an exhaustive list, though it'll probably start to sound like one because of how long my list is. But when I tell Blair I love her, I'm saying I appreciate you. I respect you. I care for you. I desire to protect you. I desire to provide for you. You're my best friend. Thank you for, and then you can fill in the blank with maybe something that happened that day, maybe something that happened that week, maybe something that happened years ago that I'm just all of a sudden thinking about it and I'm thankful to Blair and I love her because of this thing that happened. Uh, I say I love you because I want to have sex with her. I say I love you um, because I want to stare at her face and just uh, take in the beauty of how gorgeous she is to me. Uh, I say I love you because I'm remembering something that maybe we did together. I'm saying I love you because she's a wonderful wife, because she's a great mom. Sometimes I'm saying I love you because I'm leaving and I'm going to miss her. Sometimes I'm saying I love you on the phone because I can't wait to see her again. Uh, Sometimes I'm saying I love you because I just want to hold her hand and feel her touch. Uh, Sometimes I'm saying I love her because I want to work on a project together or do something together with her. And sometimes I'm saying I love her because I want her to help me uh, with a project or, or maybe with cooking in the kitchen or anything like that. And so the, when I'm saying I love my wife, all of these things, plus a litany of lists more come to my mind when I say I love her and those things can be perverted. And so therefore, in order to maintain purity in my love, what do I have to do? Put God first. I have to put God first. I mean, no ifs, ands, or buts about it. Absolutely. Because if you put me first, I'm only going to let you down. Yes. I'm not God. Right. And I cannot be God to you. Right. And I will let you down because I am imperfect. I am not a perfect person. Yeah. I can strive to be. You can help help me to be to be perfect and to become perfect, but I would still let you down. You would still find imperfections. Sure. 
Whereas God is perfect. Yeah. God does not let down. Yeah. God is consistent from time and time again. Time and time again, absolutely. Right. And so with that said... And, and he never changes. Whereas I change. Yeah. I mean, I'm not still an infant. Right. You know, I'm in I'm in my mid-40s, early right. 40s. And, and then I'm going to be very wrinkledly, wrinkled and really cute. You know, we used to love me when I have all my wrinkles. Absolutely. I mean, I mean I'm ever changing. Right. Whereas God never, never changes, changes. And his love never changes. Yeah, absolutely. So I take all of those meanings of love that I say to my wife, but those same meanings do not then go towards Aisha, Mallory, Addison, and Xavier. Right. Because my love for them is different. And at the same time, for my brother, like, I'm just going to use Gurdip as an example because I know you listen, Gurdip. My love for Gurdip. My love for Gurdip is not anywhere near the same as my love is for Blair. But that doesn't change the fact that I love Gurdip. He's my brother. He, he's, he's a good friend. I mean, there are some crossover things. Like I said, you're my best friend. Gurdip is a very close friend to me. You know, I mean, there's these things that, that do somewhat... Uh, correlate, but there's also a very important thing for us to recognize is that we can pervert things and make them so evil and vile. And so therefore, the Bible gives us an opportunity to talk about what love is. And there's a, a, ch a chapter of the book, people call it the love chapter. In Christian weddings, lots of people use this as something they say to their spouse. And they say, let's turn to 1 Corinthians 13, and we're going to read the love chapter. And they read these things. And Blair's going to read them here in just a moment. And I want us to consider, as she's reading them, how do I apply these things to the people that are in my life? And so, Blair, if you'll read 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 8. Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things. <laughs> Believes all things. Hopes all things. Endures all things. Love never ends. As for prophecies, they will pass away. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will pass away. Yeah. And so how do we apply these things to the people in our life? How do I uh, never fail in my love for my coworker? How do I make sure that I'm not rude? towards my neighbor or arrogant whenever I'm doing something that I think is more important than anything else on this planet. How do I, how do I put this passage of scripture into practice? Because I'm seeing Jesus do it. He obviously did it to the point where the apostle John wrote that Jesus loved Lazarus, loved Mary and loved Martha. And this wasn't in a perverted way. This wasn't in a sick twisted, demented way. Jesus loved them with the kind of love that Blair was just reading about. Patience, kindness, not envying, not being boastful, not being arrogant. So how, how can I apply this to people that are outside of my family? How do I apply this to the people in my family that I get frustrated with or easily angered by? How does this apply in my life? It's an everyday practice we choose to do. I mean, we can choose to be patient with others. We can choose to be kind to 
each other. When kind things aren't done to you, it's sometimes not as easy to be kind back. But we have to make that choice um, as a follower of Christ, for sure, of, okay, I'm going to choose to be kind. I'm going to choose to be patient. And it may be a situation where an accusation could be coming or correction, you know, correction and work. Um, like, okay, yeah, I totally did that wrong in work. And I, right now I am being yelled at and that's okay. Yeah. I mean, cause they're, I did, I did a mistake. I did something wrong. And so in that moment, you know, when the boss says, Hey, this is what you did wrong. Um, and so we need to step up because, you know, we need to embedder our, our company. Mm-hmm. And, uh, so I would like for you to work on these things. In return, I have in that moment to be patient and to be kind, saying, yes, thank you for that correction and bringing that to my attention. And I hope I can continue to move forward without making another mistake. Yeah. And not, and then from there, when my coworkers are with me and they're like, what did he say? What did they say to you? You know, what did your boss say to you? I have in that moment to go he gave me, he or she gave, gave me direction and I made a mistake and I take full blame for what I did and they encouraged me in the right path and you move on. I'm correcting that measure right, now. Right. And so instead of like hurting with hurtful words mm-hmm. going, man, can you believe the boss called me out on it? And, oh, he's such a loser. And, oh, when I'm, when I'm president of this company, this is what I'm going to do. Like I could so hurt him in a moment yeah. with my words. But if I choose to be patient, if I choose to be kind, if I choose not to be arrogant or rude, um, those are moments in life of, uh, of putting that daily into practice, not not letting the irritants, mm-hmm. so to say, um, define what my outcome of, of life, of, of talking from day to day, so to say, is going to be about. What I, I thought a lot about, like I've thought about love, like what is true love? Not like the ma- female, male, like falling in love, that thing, but like true love, like brotherly love or love for my sisters and stuff like that. And it's more, more so I believe like your love, the love is like an admiration you have for a person. And it's not like putting them on a pedestal because you're both equals in this relationship, but there's, it's just someone you care about so much that you'd willingly like Jesus does for us and he will do for us. Like we'll read on and later do that. But it's someone you care for so much that you'd willingly lay down your life that way they could continue to live and be happy and like not selfishly doing it that way but you just care for this person so much that you'll do anything for them and that's how i feel towards my family my mallory aisha addison you and even some family that i don't i know my brother that i don't have my brother mallory i didn't even say brother but and even I have these feelings even for people some that I don't even know very well, like my uncle and my uncles and aunts and my cousins. Like I don't know them well, but I still love them mm-hmm. and I still care about them and I want to get to know who they are. And if there was a time that I need, if they were in danger, I would help try my best to take them out of that situation or protect them from it. Right. And that. I believe is what really true love is, mm-hmm. is your willingness to be there for a person no matter what. And the, we can't always do that, though. 
because we're humans and we may not be there. And like some people like die and or other stuff like that. And you don't realize the signs of what's going on, but don't blame yourself for that. Yeah. Because you didn't know. And we're all humans. We don't always know everything. And that's why we need to put our dependence upon God and not upon people. Because if we put our dependence upon people, we'll only be let down. Correct. And so with our dependence upon God, we can help others be dependent upon him. And together, we can move forwards instead of being stuck hmm. in that bad situation or scary situation or feelings of doubt, depression, right. fear. Aloneness. And aloneness. Yeah. And we can come alongside those people and we can love them where they're at. Mm-hmm. And we can show the love of Christ towards them and they can move forwards from their problems because of that. Right. Yeah. Because that love is consistent through through anything and everything. I mean, people can throw abusive words. It can be your own family members that throw abusive words, words at you. Right. And it's in those moments of what are you going to do? Yeah. Am I going to love them with the love of the Lord? Or I'm just going to talk a whole bunch of smack. Mom, if you're listening, I know you don't like that word. But am I going to talk a whole bunch of smack back? Yeah. To, to people and just be very hurtful and crude. But can I live in such a way that is edifying and pleasing to the Lord, to the best of my knowledge, and to love and to truly love others, even when there's times of doubt hmm. that they're walking through, or even times of doubt that I've walked through, you know, just kind of like an unjudgmental kind of, kind of uh, basement of of life, you know, cause like you could be like, man, I'm going to go out and do road rage today. And if I'm like, dude, what are you doing? Like, why you're ready to die? You're ready to kill somebody. You know, you're ready to be behind, be behind bars. Like those are questions I would ask. Hmm. And I would hope that those words would be received in love because those are the consequences for our actions. Absolutely. And to, to, you know, to edify, to build up, to continue to encourage yeah, and, and so be, therefore and be there in times of need. Yeah. And therefore sometimes love is this reciprocating thing where I'm accepting information from somebody else. Like when somebody you were talking earlier about somebody bringing correction, sometimes my love is accepting the correction um and becoming even closer to that person as a result, like admiring them in in an instance where I'm not putting them on a pedestal, but at the same time, I'm making sure that in a healthy, knowledgeable way that accepting correction is also showing love. Is it possible for me to be with somebody of the same sex and love them and it not be uh, a perverted uh, attracted attraction kind of a love that I can love my brother as a male, Matt Rolance. Can I love my brother and it not be a sexual thing? Yes. yes. But why does the world point to the fact that that's almost impossible these days? Because it's easy to pervert. Yeah. It's always, man is always wanting to look for the negative mm. man or woman. We want to believe the ill to their own detrimental yeah. fate. Right. We don't want to see the good. We don't want to see the positive because that that doesn't speak. 
that doesn't sell, that doesn't make records, that doesn't make music, that doesn't tell a story. Yeah. It's what people long for, but it's not what people buy into. What people are buying into are self-help, self-motivation of, oh yeah, let's stay there. Yeah, I hate my spouse. I hate my kids. Oh man, this COVID-19 has got me down because I've got to homeschool my children. Well, God forbid that you have been so blessed to have children when there's people out there who can't even bear a child. Yeah. I mean, there's just things like that through life that just, it irks me. Yeah. It gets me heated. Sure. It makes me so upset that I'm like, well, then why in the world did you have your children? Yeah. If you can't hold on to your marriage and love your spouse for who they are, then why in the world did you say I do? Hmm. I mean, these are things, I mean, love is real. Yes. Love is correct. And it's so easy just to walk away from it. That's the easy thing. That's what the world teaches us. Yes, it does. It's like, okay, well, you know, well, if God is love and I love God and I'm married and I have a spouse and God forgives all, well, I'm just going to go out and have an affair. Because he'll forgive because me. Because he'll forgive me. And then my husband will have to forgive me. That is, that's not right. Yeah. That's abusive. Right. That's perverted. And you're perverting the word of God. Right. It's either you're going to give your love 100% to your child, to your spouse, to your family, to those that are around you, to what you're dedicated and a part of and you believe in, you know, the initiative that your purpose here on life, you're going to love doing it. Mm Mm-hmm. And you're going to give your 100% or you're not. Mm-hmm. But ultimately with that, you have to place God first. Yeah. Otherwise, it's just the pervertedness comes because it, it's, a, it's a look at me and look what I've done. Right. See how many likes I've gotten. See how many negative likes I've gotten. See how many followers I have. See how many unfollowers I have. I mean, it's as soon as you promote, man, I love Jesus. I love... I love my relationship with him. You're going to be unfollowed. But as soon as you denounce Christ, well, all of a sudden you're a story. Yeah. So I have just a few things that are for us to reflectively ask ourselves when it comes to love. And these are just two, two questions that we maybe even multiple times in a day need to ask ourselves is where do I need to improve my love? Like I'm driving down the road somebody's driving on the wrong side of the road coming towards me. That would be me. I can't, <laughs> I can't get around them. The road is blocked. Then cows come across, then the shepherd's there. And then somebody comes and hits me in that moment. I may need to ask myself, where do I need to improve my love? Because my anger might be through the roof yet. I need to improve my love for the shepherd for the cattle and the goats going across the street for the person going the wrong way up the road, the person that hit me. I mean, these are, these are places that I still, I, I don't get excused because circumstances have come against me that I get, you know, a, uh, a free stroke in golf. Like they have this, uh, they have this stroke where, where you get a, what is it called? I was just saying a free pass. A free pass. But I don't know what it's called in golf terms. Yeah, there, this isn't the Monopoly. game of Monopoly where you get a get out of jail free card or anything like that. That I all of a sudden am a, 
it's well it was acceptable for me to get angry and to get out of my car and beat the crap out of the person that hit me because you know it was justified no it wasn't justified because if i'm asking myself where do i need to improve my love then love is going to be the thing that overcomes me and in that moment i'm going to be giving glory to god and i'm going to be looking at the scenario the situation different the second question that i think is important for us to ask ourselves is have I perverted love and do I need to repent? Have I perverted love? Blair read 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 8. Have I taken those things and perverted them? And if I have, then I need to repent. These are things that we've got to do. Jesus loved Lazarus. Jesus loved Mary and Martha. Jesus cared for them and he wanted what was best for them. He wanted to provide for them. He wanted to, he wanted to, he was willing to lay down his life and die for Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. We so often like to say, well, Jesus died for me. But as we're reading this passage of scripture, Jesus died for them too. A part of John stating that he loved Mary, Martha, and Lazarus is that Jesus was willing to die for them. And he wasn't perverting that. So do I need to repent of the way that I look at this world, look at my friends, look at my coworkers, look at my family, look at my spouse, look at the person of the opposite sex when I'm walking through the mall? Am I more concerned with their physical beauty and then thinking that I'm attracted to them? Or am I willing to love that person as my brother or my sister and not as some attraction that is then taken upon with an animalistic lizard brain instinct that I have to have sex with them. Like these are things that we've got to consider when it comes to love. The second thing that I notice in this passage of scripture, so moving right along, unless there's anything you guys have to add to the love, the love portion. I think it's great because you've gotten emotional right now because I'm like at a point where I really want to cry. <laughs> yeah. And I see tears in your eyes. Yeah, I mean, I like can see the. I mean, you got me heated, so I'm so glad that you're crying right now, literally as well. And I mean, another thing with love is that we always think like you need to have one emotion at a certain given amount of time. I really like the movie uh, Inside Out by Pixar. Yeah, and but it shows towards the end that you can have mixed emotions at times. And in times of anger, you can have love for that person and you're just mad at them because of what they did. But the reason you're mad at them is because you love them. Mm. Like they did something wrong, but you love them so much that you don't want them to do it again. Right. So you correct them. Right. And the other person may see you as being angry at them. But in fact, you're trying to correct them because you love them so much you don't want them to do it again. Yeah. And other stuff like, and we don't always understand that until we get older. And sometimes we don't even understand that when we are older is that correction is actually a good thing. Yeah. And that people correct us out of love and not out of spite. Mm -hmm. And that we can have mixed emotions and that I can love you even though I'm sad right now. Mm -hmm. I can love you even though I'm mad about this thing right now. Mm -hmm. And we don't always see it as that. We always think we have to have one emotion at any given time. But like I said, with the inside out, like towards the end of the movie, they were showing memories, but they were mixed colors. Yeah. It was a mix of sadness and happiness because that's how life works. Right. We don't have any one given emotion at a time. 
we have different feelings at different times and we can go from being worried to being joyful yeah. in a span of five seconds. Sure. And it doesn't mean we're sick. And it doesn't mean we're sick and we need to go get help <laughs> from a doctor. <laughs> right. If we're clinically it's depressed natural. and that we need to take medication for it. It's natural. Yeah. These are natural human emotions. And we can go through a flood of emotions all at once. You know, fear and then anger and then disgust and then happiness. Yeah. Just immediately. Yeah. And that's not a bad thing. No, it's not. Second, second thing that I wanted to bring up through the fact that we're talking about this passage of scripture from John chapter 11 is Jesus says, Lazarus is sick and he's, but he's not going to die from this illness. And here's kind of an interesting thing. If we really look at it, by the time Jesus gets this message, Lazarus is probably already dead. And yet Jesus makes this statement. And I see two strange things happening here. Um, that are almost incomprehensible, kind of like what you're talking about, Xavier, with these emotions, is, is this idea of Lazarus is probably already dead. Jesus knows that, and yet he reacts by saying, he's not going to die of this illness, so the Son of Man can be glorified, Son of God can be glorified. In other words, so Jesus can be glorified. And the second thing he does is, even though he loves Lazarus, he delays himself on purpose two days. Mm-hmm. I mean, how strange to us this can be. Sure. Yeah. And, and it almost seems it so strange. perplexing that we feel like, well, then God didn't really care about Lazarus. How dare John say that Jesus loved him because he delayed going to Lazarus when he got the message he was dead? Yes, Mallory? He was grieving. Jesus was grieving? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he definitely does grieve. We'll, we'll read about that next week. There's no doubt the shortest verse of the Bible is coming up next week. Jesus wept. In that statement of Jesus saying he's not going to die from this sickness, yet the death has already occurred. This is only a kind of statement that can be made by God. Right. Only God can look at death and say life is going to come from death. Only God can raise the dead. Only God can state or pronounce something finished or complete. Mm-hmm. You remember when Jesus was on the cross? Mm-hmm. One of the statements he makes is, it is finished. No person said that. Mm-hmm. No Roman centurion said that. Caesar didn't say it. Caiaphas, the high priest of the Jewish, Jewish council, didn't say it. No, God himself in the man of Jesus said, it is finished. And that was when everything was complete. That is when the redemption of the world came into place being was because of what Jesus did. And when he pronounced it finished, it was done. Only God can look at death and see a miracle. Right. And yet we can get stuck in this limbo, this point from the promise to the fulfillment. And it is a death to us. Let me explain what I mean. I'm I'm trying to bring realization to our realistic everyday world that we live in. First of all, scripturally speaking, perhaps you've heard that there will be a second coming of Christ. Jesus is going to return and he's coming back for his people. And we understand this promise to be true and Jesus will come back for the church. Yet every day, pain, disappointment, struggle, heartache, depression, etc., seem to occupy our time. And the hope of Christ returning can seem impossible, almost like he's not going to fulfill his promise. Kind of like 
a dead man being raised to life. We're in that moment of death and we feel like there's no escape. How is it Jesus is really going to return? This promise has been given to us 2,000 years ago. Is he really going to come back for his church? Is this really going to happen? And that's got to be how Mary and Martha felt. Lazarus is dead. We sent a message to Jesus. He's still delayed. The next day, the sun goes down. The sun comes back up a second day. He's still delayed. Then Jesus starts, and it takes him four days to reach Lazarus. And Mary and Martha had to be thinking, how is this possible? Just like we think the same today. We think, how is it possible that Jesus promises that he's going to return for his church, but yet he's not come? We're no different than Mary and Martha were in this moment, this limbo moment. Let me put it into another way that we look at things today. Perhaps God gave you a dream or a vision of what you're supposed to do with your profession or with your life. Yet life appears to be closing all those doors that lead to that promise being fulfilled. The dream appears to be dead. It seems like there's no way you're going to achieve the goal that you have had set before you and you feel like this has been a lifetime goal. I want to encourage you to trust in God because he does not lie. This dream will be resurrected. Maybe it seems like it's dead now, but just like Lazarus, it's going to be raised from the dead and your dream will be resurrected because God's timing is different than ours. Like Lazarus, he loves you. So keep trusting in him. Jesus loved Lazarus and he waited. In the delay, our faith, our trust, and our belief gets purified in God. How does gold get purified? Heat. It gets put into fire. How do diamonds get made? They get fire and pressure. Fire and pressure on coals make diamonds. If that's how beautiful gems and how gold is made, why do we reject the pressure and the heat that is put on our lives when God allows us to go through hardships and difficulties and things that seem like deaths? Because when we get to the other side, we are going to be as purified as gold. We are going to be as beautiful as precious gems. So let us not give up in well-doing. Let these pressure moments Build our trust in Christ, not destroy them. I always think of the song. It was a when I asked Christ Jesus into my heart at the age of eight. This song, as a little girl, still speaks to me to this day. It was written by Gloria Gaither. Mm. He's still working on me. He's still working on me to make me what I ought to be. It took him just a week to make the moon and the stars, the sun and the earth, and Jupiter and Mars. How lovely and patient he must be. He's still working on me. Mm. And the song continues on, and it's so, so sweet. The words are so sweet and so true. But I always think of the patience that God has with me. I think of the unpatience that I can have with others here on this earth. And then I reflect and go, but God, you're still patient with me. How can I be patient with others as you have been so patient with me? It's mind-boggling, and it's a daily striving, so to say, that I I want to do, that I still want to do, that I still long to do from that eight-year-old self of, Lord, I love you. Yeah. 
and thank you for continuing to put a fire, set a fire within me, set a fire on me to press me, mold me, shape me, create me to be pure when I reach you. Yeah. That's what I want. Pure and perfect. Yeah. Absolutely. That's what I want. Because he's the, I mean, my time's not finished yet. Right. Because God's not finished with me yet. Right. There's still more for me to shape and mold and do. Yeah. And, and, and a fire to be lit on me going, okay, you thought, you thought you had this all right. <laughs> there's, there's more work that needs to be done. Okay. And, it, and it's nice as I continue to age and continue to grow in the Lord, in my relationship with him, it does get a little bit easier of Lord. It's yours. Mm-hmm. It's easier to back off and go that this isn't mine. Lord, this is yours. I'm going to surrender this all to you and help me. And there's definitely areas in my life where I still need to submit of um, ugliness and sins. And But I'm ever, ever thankful for that, that pressing and that molding and that shaping. And he is the potter. Yes, he is. Absolutely. He is the creator. There's a few passages of scripture I want to look up in closing, and Mallory's going to read for us first, Galatians 6, 9. And let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we will reap if we faint not. Very good. And Romans, uh, this is going to be split up, 8, 32 through 39, Blair, and then Aisha is going to conclude, conclude this passage of scripture. He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who then is the one who condemns? No one. Christ Jesus who died, more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Who will separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake, we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. Knowing all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither there nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any power, neither heights nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God, that in Christ Jesus our Lord. This is a beautiful passage of scripture that is encouraging us going right along with John chapter 11, what we see God's love through his son, Jesus Christ, for Martha, Mary, Lazarus, for us today, for the redemption of this world that we live in right now. And uh, he is very, very interested, even though it seems, like I said, the, in this point, the, so the son of God can be glorified. Uh, Jesus makes a statement, this is, illness is not going to end in death. And yet he still delays two more days uh, in order to go to Lazarus in the first place. I mean, these are things that perplex us. Things that perplex us don't mean it's the end of our faith. We can find strength and hope and we can be more than conquerors. 
Lord, strengthen me today to be more than a conqueror, to not look at my circumstances, the news channels, hear the conversations of fear all around me by my neighbors or my coworkers, and have my faith falter. Instead, may I, moment by moment, keep secure my faith, hope, and love in you. Help me to love others as I love myself. I know you are with me. Mallory, will you close us in prayer? Thank you, Jesus, for today and every single day, and that everyone will have a great day today, and that we will all be safe, and that we make sure that we will wear our masks and wash our hands constantly, and that things will soon be opening up, and nobody else gets coronavirus. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Amen.